I'll probably drink all of this water today. So, it is a... Uh, it is an absolutely beautiful part of Scripture we're going to take a look at this morning from Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31. I believe it's on page 771, the Bible in your pews. But, um, you know, we're, we're going to start again kind of, a, kind of a recap of what we've seen. Next week we're going to be looking at all in, being all in uh, as, as the first church was. And as we take a look at these, the, we've gone this for three months now. We've looked at, at this, this, these, from Acts chapter 1 through now, through the, almost the end of chapter 4. And as you know, and you heard me say many times, it was the disciples and the apostles of the original church that were taking it to the streets. And you're going to hear it continually, and you're going to hear it for another three months. Uh, hopefully it won't sound like the same sermon over and over and over again, but you know, when we look at this passage of Scripture, obviously... Peter saw that he needed to preach that same sermon over and over and over and over again. So they got it. And so we're going to start again with a little, like we did last week, we're going to start a little bit with some confirmation 101, okay? And so these are the things that I need you to pay attention to and to listen for as we walk through this, 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 this short passage of Scripture. Number one, righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is being found right with God. Okay, so let's pay attention where we see righteousness in this passage of Scripture. Second thing, justification. Justified. What's justified? What does it mean to be justified? Being found not guilty, right? Being found not guilty. The price has been paid by Jesus Christ. How about sanctified? Set apart for God's work. Set apart by God for his work. We're going to see, guess what? Law. Law is. Gospel is. What God has done. You've been paying attention. This is good. And last thing, we're, you know, we're going to always land on this because it's just the way it goes. The means of grace. The vehicle in which God shows us his grace, mercy, and love. And so when we see grace, mercy, and love in this section, you're going to see every single one of these things. You're going to see righteousness. You're going to see justification. You're going to see sanctification. You're going to see law and gospel, and you will see the means of grace. The first part of means of grace is in the Word of God, correct? One of the things that where he talks to us, the vehicle in which he shows us his grace, mercy, and love, is through his word. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at two apostles that have been on trial. Two apostles that have been on trial, and they are now going to walk through, next slide, they're going to walk through a couple things. The first thing we're going to look at is from Acts chapter 4, we're going to jump around a little bit, Acts chapter 4, 25 through 28, where they acknowledge the hand of God at work. I know a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> we had a couple, couple of guys come up uh, and, uh, and, and, and share how they saw and they have seen God's hand at work. Well, here we see in verse 25 through 28, we see that exact very thing. Uh, who, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, and then he goes through Psalm chapter 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The king of the earth took their stand 
and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So here we see that the believers acknowledge the sovereignty in dealing with, in dealing with God's enemies. We see this, and we even see here a, 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 another, uh, another picture from the Psalms. Where we see, uh, we're seeing a quote by David. David wrote in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you want to turn with me there. Uh, Psalm 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, Why are the nations in an uproar, and the people devise a vain thing? The king, of the, earth take, the king of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together. Here we see there is a given reminder from the Psalms where we are shown God's ultimate rule. Psalm chapter 2 is, guess what? It's written to celebrate the coronation of an Israelite king, an Israelite king, but also the coronation of Jesus Christ as the eternal king. What we're doing here is we're taking a look at the powerfulness, the most power of anything else in the world, the power of God. And he always acts at the right time. He is sovereign over every situation. God's power is shown by the ways he reveals himself in creation, in history, and in his word. When we feel powerless, what do we usually do? Just because my folks are here, you can still talk. When we feel powerless, what do we do? Do we clam up? Do we start looking for other things to give us more power? Do we run and hide a little? Or do we look and acknowledge the hand of God? I think back to many, many times where I have felt that I am just I'm not cutting it. As a pastor, sometimes I feel I don't cut it. I should be better. I should be stronger. I should be faster. I should visit more. I should take care of people more. I should do more administration. I should be at the office way more than I am. And you go home and beat yourself up. That's a pastor. You're a pastor. What things do you struggle with when you feel powerless? Family, finances, career, relationships. Can you imagine Peter and John just were on trial for talking about Jesus? Guess what? They were powerless in human eyes. We remember last week, there were two words, remember? One of them sounds like idiot. The other one is not very smart. The two words where we get idiot and grammar from. They had a hard time speaking and making sense of what they're saying, and they were kind of dumb. Or like just now, Jesus surrounded himself with smelly fishermen. 
But when they were in front of the Sanhedrin, the power, what did they say? There's something different about these guys. They're powerful. We don't know what it is, but they've been with Jesus. You can tell. Peter, John, the apostles, and many that were around acknowledged the power, the power of God. He strengthens us. He strengthens us and we can overcome and despair any pain or trial. We can always pray that he will deliver, protect, and sustain us. Because if you look at this whole passage of Scripture, this is about a prayer meeting. After they were released, they went and they gathered together and they prayed. They acknowledged. Even what David saw, they acknowledged that. They also, they also hear the disciples were witnesses. Get this, from some Psalm chapter 2, they still saw this. They saw Pilate, Herod, and the Jewish leaders conspire against Jesus. Herod had been appointed as the room, uh, to, by, by the Romans to rule over the territory of Galilee. Pontius Pilate was the governor, of, uh, the Roman governor over Judea. And guess what? He bowed to the pressure of the crowd and sentenced Jesus to death. They witnessed this. If you haven't seen some of, you know, during Easter time, there's a bunch of movies always all over the place. And, and, and eventually, Kathy, by the way, Kathy's back from Israel. And I, I'm hoping you have some amazing pictures. Because I might want to use some sometime. Depending where, where you were. But when we look and, you know, I've been, I've been following one of the groups that was with Kathy on, on that voyage to Israel. And one of the pastors, uh, Kevin Olson is, is, is his name, Pastor Kevin Olson, and his son, they're both, they're two Olsons, they're out there and they took little 30-second snapshots. And they had been posting them. This is where this happened. This is where this happened. This is where this happened. I, I, I'm really thinking you need to send your pastor and wife to Israel to, for me to take those videos. No? Okay, I got, a, I got one yes. But anyways, that, that was going on, and it's so fun to be able to see exactly what was going on. This is the stairs where Peter and John healed the lame man. They were sitting right there. Guess what? They're talking about it right in the Bible. Peter and John are saying, we didn't just saw it, we witnessed it. Think of the last thing that you were so excited about that you couldn't wait to talk about. I know last week we talked about the birth of a child. Think about it. Can anyone tell me the last time the, the Seahawks won this, the Super Bowl? Can you probably tell me the whole game and what happened and the last play, I bet you Brooks probably can. But when we think of, or, or the last song, I mean, uh, Kelly and I got, got to go uh, a couple weeks ago to, for, for, for King and Country. For King and Country, yes. And, and at first I was like, I don't really want to go, but I really want to go on a date, so we went. 
I told so many people about that concert after I got home. I'm like, and then he walked right up. He was within 15 feet of us. I was like, there he is right there. Luke's over there. It was the coolest. Then they had this. I was telling my dad last night, there was a, like a bow of a ship, and then there was sails. There, they got to watch Jesus. And they were filled with zeal. They were filled with activity. They were filled with exactly what God wanted to fill them with and because he knew that they would go out and spread the good news. Because now, guess what? After seeing all this stuff, everything is making sense. Everything is making sense. Everything is coming together. Everything is agreeing exactly what Jesus said and taught Peter had just been preaching the truth, and everything is sinking together. Let's look back. And let's look back all the way back to Acts chapter 2.23, where it says, The man delivered over by the predetermined plan and for knowledge of God, and you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Acts 3.13 repeats it again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned at the presence of Pilate. And had decided to when he decided to release them, Peter and John were following the example of many of the prophets before them, but also the one who trained them, Jesus Christ. Jesus goes and, and, and quotes in, in Luke, I believe it's Luke chapter four where he quotes Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and, freedom and, 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 and bring freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of, 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 of our God, to comfort those who mourn. Guess what, church? They were taking it to the streets. And they had no problem with it. They were all in. They saw everything that they were taught when their, when their blinders were on. And when Jesus was, arrest, was, was, was uh, when he ascended to heaven, the blinders came off and they're like, oh, we get it. And now as they walk through, as they're living out the task or the mission that God gave them, it was like, <laughs> it's all here. He wasn't kidding. We're watching it. We are witnesses. We see that, that God is the sovereign Lord of all events, and he rules history to fulfill his exact purpose. God determines his power. God's will determines his power carries out. There's no leader, no army, no government or council that can stand in God's way. There was acknowledgement. After acknowledgement, guess what? They're talking to him. So number two, next slide, is you see here, they asked God for strength. I love that. God has more. Ask for it. I don't have enough. 
Acts chapter 4, 23 and 24. Let's go backwards. So we're going to jump back up to <clears throat> 4, uh, 23 and 24 where it says this. When they had been released, so they just got out of jail. They're, they're released from, 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 from the Sanhedrin. They went to their companions, their other friends, their other buddies, their other disciples, their other, the other 5,000 that were there, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voice to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and this is in them. So we're seeing here that they then go and they talked to God. The believers asked for God's strength in dealing with their enemies. They praised, they praised God. They worshipped God together. And just like it says, like last week we talked about the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now they're going after the next one. They're, they're, they're talking about keep with the Sabbath day holy. They got together and worshipped. Do you know what the second one is? I just said it. Keep the Sabbath day holy. They got together and they worshipped together. Exodus chapter 20. It's way in the front. Exodus chapter 20, it's where the Ten Commandments are. Verses 8 through 11 says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a, is, is a Sabbath, and the Lord your God is in, and you shall not do any work or your sons, or your daughters, or males, or female servants, or your cattle, or your sojourners who stay with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in it, and rests on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blesses the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, why, Pastor Luke, are you bringing that up? You're bringing the law deep into us right now. Why? Why do you think? Because the first thing the disciples did after days of being Attacked, days of being persecuted, they went back with their family and they worshiped. They got together and they prayed. They took their full focus off of the situation and they focused on the one that can change the situation. Why do you come to church? Why do you come? Well, we like, I like this person, I like that person. They got really good coffee here. I've been in some churches with rough coffee. Rough. But they got a coffee bar here. It's pretty. Drive up parking. You can just drive on up, drop your people off, go park down. Pastor's kind of goofy, but you know, it's all right. All, this is where I've been coming forever, right? Is that why you come? Because the disciples had 5,000 other people with them, and they came to refocus, to take their mind off of what they just went through, their fear. And they said, okay, huddle up, guys. we got to talk to the Lord. They asked for his strength. 
They asked for his strength. They asked for him to, to, to come into their hearts, to come into their lives, to observe, to, 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 to set a little time aside to rest and to worship. Here we see in, in, in Exodus that God commanded the Sabbath because human beings, guess what? Need to spend time, unhurried time, in worship and rest each week. Anyone know the phrase Sunday fun day? Yeah, we all know that we all know it. But the problem is. Is, a, is one day a week we were, we, we were designed to relax, to rest, and to worship. Because when you come in here, that's why I pray, every morning we pray together, that we would take all of our distractions away and be able to focus on worship. Because what does that do? It heals. Here and here. Helps you cope. To observe a regular time of rest and worship in our fast-paced world demonstrates how important God is to us and gives us an, an, an extra benefit of refreshing our spirits. I'm asking you not to neglect God's provision. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, 6, 19 to 20, and on behalf of... Uh, and, I, and pray on my behalf, the utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel, for I am an ambassador in chains, that in, pro, pro, in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We're going back to how, how the disciples were speaking. They were speaking boldly. Here we, 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 we see that Paul wrote this letter while he's in prison. Not being, not being discouraged or defeated, he wrote these letters to the Ephesians to pray that his chains would not be removed, but that he would continue to speak fearlessly for Jesus Christ. Guess what? God can use any situation any circumstance to do his will. Even as we pray for a change in our circumstance, we should also pray that God will establish his plan through us right where we are. Have you ever prayed that God would change everything? Lord, I'm, I'm tired of this. Pick a, pick a topic. Whatever. I don't like my job. I don't like my house. Whatever. Whatever's really pulling you down. Can you imagine when God says, don't worry. I got you. Because I'm going to use this circumstance right now, this situation right now, to build you into the person I want you to be. Or I'm fighting something fierce with this person. Our relationship is getting just... I don't know if I can be their friend anymore. He says, go just wait. You might have to wait a little long, longer than you want. I got a little girl who told me yesterday or the day, day before, Dad, I'm not patient. 
mirror. Then she says, can I, can I have 20 bucks? No, just kidding, Avery. But she did want 20 bucks. But we see here that God, that, that, that our knowing God, He has eternal purposes for each one of us, even through difficult times. But we also see all through Scripture, and we see that Peter there, we see, we see uh, Paul, and we see John here, they're all speaking boldness. And I want to I I help you understand, boldness is not reckless impulsiveness, okay? I want you to understand that. Boldness is not reckless impulsiveness. Boldness requires courage to press on through our fears, to do what is right. I found a neat little thing. It says, how to be more bold. So I'm going to read those four things to you. It comes straight from Scripture because the disciples prayed like this. They prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit to give courage. They looked for opportunities in their family and their neighbors, their neighborhood, to talk about, guess who? Say it loud. Making sure you're all awake. Okay, good. Number three, realize that rejection, social discomfort, and embarrassment are not necessarily persecution. And then lastly, start where you are by being bold in small ways. Hmm. Sounds pretty easy to follow, doesn't it? Again, we see the disciples, the followers, the learners of Jesus were doing exactly as they were trained to do. The example they had been given by the Messiah, their Savior, the, wor- the Savior of the world, Jesus, they acknowledged and they asked because guess what they had to do? Take it to the streets. So after they did that, well, they acknowledged, next slide, they asked, and then God did something. What? God answered. Verse 31. Verse 31 in this, it says what? It says that they, let me get back here, I'll read it to you. Verse 31 says, and when they prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with, guess what? Boldness. Have we seen this before anywhere? Where God answered by letting them know? Acts chapter 2, 3 through 4, where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The fire came, the wind blew, they all started talking. God shook them, didn't He? Here again, God shook them. I got gotcha. you. You have no clue how powerful I am. I know you think you do, but you don't. I am the creator of heaven and earth. I am the one who made you. I am the one that has filled you, you smelly fishermen, with boldness to go talk about my son. 
I put clouds in the sky. I put mountains exactly where I wanted them. I grew everything on it. I am God, not you. And I want you to understand that. And as soon as they got another glimpse, they're like, we need to go tell people about this. They saw the activity, they, they acknowledged, then they asked, and God acted. And guess what he did then? He said, go tell them the good news. John 3, 16 and 17, we all know it. For God so loved the world. This, this is the reason why. Here's the why. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. The world that he made. The world that Satan's trying to destroy. Because he hates God. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, were shaken, and acted out boldly. The song that came, came to my mind is Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. After they had a sweet hour of prayer. We could do a bunch of hymns like, wouldn't that be fun? A sermon, just hymns, just, maybe I'll think about that, yes. But we're seeing that these, these men that God put, in, put in, into commission, they were ready. They trusted and they obeyed. It is all wrapped up when we see, okay, what is the take home? What is this? It's all wrapped up in a tiny little box right here. We serve an awesome God who has a special and unique plan for each one of us. And all he's asking is that we trust and obey. To acknowledge him, that'd be law, just letting you know. To ask him, law or gospel, ask him. That's law then guess what? God acts in the book of Acts. Gospel. Have we seen righteousness in this? Mm -hmm. Have we seen sanctification? Mm -hmm. Have we seen justification? Mm -hmm. Have we seen long gospel? Mm-hmm. Where did we get it from? The means of grace, the Word of God. God's, at, God's, in, God's working right now because He's talking to not just, He's talking to our world that we need to go and take the good news of Jesus to the streets. We should have that song playing every time at the end of a sermon by the Doobie Brothers, you know? Because if you haven't gone and read the lyrics, go read them. I know I read them to you once. Go listen to it. Everybody download it. Go to iTunes. Hit Doobie Brothers. Whatever. 
But the thing is this, is that God uses those that he calls. Guess what? He calls each one of you to bring glory and honor to his name. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We love you. We praise you. Lord, I, I, I thank you for how you work in our hearts and minds. But Lord, as we are still in your home, in your house, in your temple, Lord, keep talking to our hearts and minds. Keep telling us what you need and what you want for us. But then continue to show us that you love us and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I will always serve you. And I lift this church up to you. In your name I pray. Amen.